0: Hey, friends, welcome to episode 157 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker, and my guest today is Susan K. Wyatt. She is an author, a singer, and a coach, and she's also a former Miss Ohio who has a lot of wonderful and inspiring things to say about the current state of beauty pageants. Here we go. Hello, Mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, you guys. Hope you're having a great week so far. I am very excited to share my guest with you today. Her name is Susan K. Wyatt. She is a... A very accomplished jazz singer. She's also an author. She's written a book called No Crown Required, and it sort of shares her experiences and her knowledge um, from the world of pageants. She was a former Miss Ohio. She competed in Miss America, and um, she has a lot to say about the current state of beauty pageants and raising our girls in. Um, This world that sort of focuses so much on beauty and um, what they call their beauty standards and that sort of thing. So I know you're going to enjoy hearing from Susan in just a moment, but I want to tell you guys that my birthday is next week. What? Um, As you can hear, I'm actually losing my voice a little bit. I've kind of been getting over this something. I don't know. I get it every fall and every spring, a little something in the air that uh, just can't seem to shake. And because of my ridiculous work schedule, I haven't really had any downtime to stop and let myself heal and feel better. So I chose to do that yesterday on election day and um, sit at home and sort of watch all of the news coverage. And uh, you know, like you do, some people wouldn't necessarily find that cathartic, but I kind of do. I know it's weird, but I'm a news nerd. I always have been. Even though I love acting in theater and performing, i always love. The news. I constantly have NPR going on in my car, or some kind of podcast that tells news type stories, or, or what have you. You guys like that? Do you like pod? Like, do you like serial type podcasts, or do you are you a fan of the more interviewee type podcast? Um, I know a lot of these serial type of podcasts, the ones that tell an ongoing story, are just massively popular. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, we went and saw The Grinch last week. That was a lot of fun. Such a good movie. We're going to see Wreck-It Ralph this weekend. Uh, I'm interviewing Michael Douglas tomorrow, you guys. And uh, he just got a star on the Walk of Fame. But, oh, oh, I almost forgot. Okay, the biggest thing happening in my world is that I got to interview Sam Heughan again. <laughs> so for those of you... Uh, who have followed along from the beginning, you know I'm a huge fan of the show Outlander on Stars. I've actually been a fan of the books for many, many years. I read them a long time ago and have been obsessively watching this show and have a massive crush on Sam Heughan. He's so dreamy and so lovely, and I've actually gotten to interview him a couple of times, and I just interviewed him and Katrina Balfe, I hope I'm saying her name right, who uh, plays Claire in the show Outlander. And you guys, it was just a dream come true. One of those pinch me moments where it's so embarrassing because I have such a massive crush on him that I can't even really make eye contact. Like it's, it's that ridiculous where I'm like, Oh, he's looking at me. Like I feel like a schoolgirl all of a sudden. It's like, I'm a grown woman. Like I need to, and I'm married. I need to like, just get over that. Um, But anyway, it was a lot of fun to go to um, NBCLA. I posted all my interviews there. And uh, you could see me trying not to blush while I'm talking with him. And yeah, it was a good time. It's been good. I'm literally still smiling right now thinking about it. Uh, Okay, but before I embarrass myself any further and before I completely destroy my voice any further, I am going to get to this interview with Susan. She's such a joy to talk to, such a very inspiring mama, and has a wonderful story to tell. So here's my interview with Susan K. Wyatt. Joining me today on the show is Susan K. Wyatt. She is an author, singer, songwriter, and a mom who wears many hats, which I love. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. So um, we have a lot to talk about, but first I want to talk about your book, No Crown Required, Raising a Confident, Courageous, and Compassionate Daughter. Now, that comes from your background in being Miss America and Wait, were you Miss America? I just realized I named <gasps> you Miss America <laughs> instead, of, instead of saying you were in the pageant.
1: <laughs> I was I Actually, I was Miss Ohio and that was 30 years ago. So yes, I did go to the Miss America pageant when it was in Atlantic City, back when it was a little more old school than it is right now. <laughs>
0: now, how did you get into pageant life? Because I feel like it's very different now than it was probably when you were in it.
1: Well, I was never in pageant life per se. Mm -hmm. I was an entertainer. I was a vocal performance major and a piano minor. And my voice professor at Ohio State University, the Ohio State University, I should say, um, had just judged the pageant and came back in the fall and said, Oh, my gosh, I just judged this pageant. And you should go do this because you could win this. And I was like, What? Ew. You know, I was like, I got I got really sick to my stomach just him saying it to me. And I was like, no, 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 no. So that was the first suggestion of it. And then I was like, well, you know, when you're an entertainer, you're gonna go do the thing that's gonna get you the exposure. You're gonna do the next thing, right? So that's why that's why I did it.
0: And did you find that you were surprised at how much you enjoyed it, or did you ever really kind of embrace it?
1: Well, I what I found was it it changed my life in ways that I never saw coming because what it made me do was maybe um, have take a journey of self-realization. Um, made me think about who I really was and what I thought about things in the world because I was I was just a performer. I mean, I I'm a, not that I was a shallow person. It's just that I lived to perform and to sing and to play and everything like that. But I wasn't really. And I would, you know, you couldn't take me into an interview and ask me really important questions because I hadn't really thought about stuff. I was mm-hmm. in college and, you know, I just wasn't fully developed as a human. And it started me on that path. And the other thing that it did to me was once I got into it and I won Miss Ohio and went to Miss America, my main job was to public speak. And I would show up at you know functions talk at the mayor's luncheon talk at this and talk at that and i would go to into schools and talk to girls and i realized how much i enjoyed mentoring and inspiring young women and that was something that i did not know was in me so that's what happened
0: and now i read that you um you sort of took a, a roundabout way of getting to that realization through a previous marriage Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all have relationships and mistakes and, and we learn from them. At least we hope we do. Yeah. Um, are you comfortable talking about that a little bit and sharing kind of what you went through and what you learned? Sure. Um, well, after the Miss America pageant,
1: and I do talk about this a little bit in my book and what, one of the things I like to make, make sure people know is that, my previous relationship with any person especially you know, like my my first husband or whatever none of that i hold anything against him it's the place that i was and i allowed myself to be in that space mm-hmm. so i it my book is not about him and my in my life and my work and everything is not about those kinds of things but i will say that i took a big self-esteem hit because one of the things that I do right now is mentor and coach people. And I never had a coach or a mentor my whole life. And so I kind of got, I went off the rails and I, my self-esteem took a big dive. So I got lost in somebody else's life. And um, I, it started with an entertainment job, but then all of a sudden it became that I was in this relationship where it was really not about me. It was about him and what, what he wanted me to be. And there were so many things that that person wanted me to be. I, and it was, had nothing to do with who I was or supporting me for what I really wanted in my life. And, um, I was in that relationship for a total time period of about five years and I got, I got out. I don't, I totally believe in getting out. It's one of my favorite themes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a place that's not about you, Get out. And no, no <laughs> one's, no one's like pushing you to be your fabulous self and really, you know, doing all that, then you need to get out of there. So, so basically that's, that's the the long and short of it is. And there's a lot of stuff in there, but you know what? It's, it's about once you identify that you are not living a life that's, that's for you. Um, and you know, because I, how I knew was number one, I was miserable. Number two, it was abusive mentally and emotionally abusive and number three, I felt sick. I had actually ended up in the hospital, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I had migraine headaches. I had all kinds of pains and all kinds of weird stuff. I don't have
0: that anymore. Just so you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you pay pay attention to what's happening. Right, right. <laughs> um, well, I'm wondering then about your singing. Like you you talk you talked about how singing um, got you sort of into or interested in, um, the pageant. And then did you continue to sing during those, you know, that relationship? Did you, um, was music Uh, always something that was a part of your life? It's always been a part of my life. It was a part
1: of my life in that relationship, but then I was told that I needed to make money and become something else. And Mm -hmm. I was told One of the things that I don't talk about in my book, but I'll tell you right now because we're talking on your show. Um, I was told by this person that I changed my mind about what I want to do.
0: Hmm.
1: And I'll never forget telling my mom that because my mom will never forget the moment that phone call happened. And she said it breaks her heart and it broke her heart at the time because she was like, I don't know who I'm talking to right now. So I, so, you know, it's, it's that what's weird is, is that this, what we're talking about happened such a long time ago. This is over 20 years ago. And I've definitely, um, I don't live in the past, but Mm. the reason why I revisit all of this is there's, there's so many nuggets there. There's so many red flags. There's so many lessons and I share this kind of stuff with my daughter as appropriate, you know, like this happened to me. And if this happens to you or you start to feel this or someone's not madly in love with your talent and is not really making things about you and it's not reciprocal or everything, you know, she she knows she she's learned how to identify passive aggressive people, people who aren't really in her corner And I'm sure you know from being out here in Hollywood that, you know, you have to be very vigilant about your space and the people that you hang out with.
0: Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's talk about then um, when you became a mom and what changed for you and, and how that sort of changed your perspective on things.
1: Well, it's interesting because I never wanted children my entire life. I, I, I never liked to babysit. I didn't play with baby dolls. I was just not that person. I was a tomboy. I was a performer, entertainer person. I loved animals, stuffed animals, but never baby dolls. And when I met my current husband, who I've been together with since 90, oh gosh, we've been together for 23, 20. Now I'm going to be messing up on this. Usually the man messes up on the date, but um, it's been a while. But I remember when I first met him thinking I would love to have children with him. And I realized that that was a weird voice in my head going like, who in the hell is that? Because I, you know, that's not who I am. But he had had children from a previous marriage and, you know, he didn't really need any more children, but he wanted me to experience that gift, which, I mean, he is a very special person in my life. And so we did it and it changed me in a way that I couldn't even imagine because all of a sudden I was freaked out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having a baby. What do I do with this baby? What do I do? And so I started looking for books on how to raise children, positive parenting, self esteem, because everything that I knew that I struggled with, I wanted to be able to help my daughter at least understand it and comprehend it and help her skip over some of the obvious things that could happen. Whereas you can't, you can't keep them from experiencing everything. They have to experience all of their, their pain and their losses and all of their mistakes. But, you know, you can give them a leg up. For sure, and so that's what I did, and it it became a passion for me. And I even wrote um, there's a children's CD that I wrote, uh, the Twelve Gifts of Birth. It's a companion to a best-selling book by Charlene Costanzo, and um, I started like doing working with children, and it still cracks my family up because they're like, "Oh my god, we can't even believe that that <laughs> would, like you would be doing any of that." Right, like, right. But I don't know the thing the thing about inspiring them and empowering them. To be who they are and to stay in their stand in their truth, and to be seen and and heard, and um, to to revel in their own gifts and share them with the world. That's always been my challenge, my personal challenge, which has become my quest to help other people.
0: And now what is your relationship like with your daughter now? Are you guys really close? Do you um I you sent me a really adorable picture of you guys dancing together. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's funny is is that I was always best friends
1: with my mom, okay? So um, it it made perfect sense for me to be best friends with my daughter. And a lot of people will argue about that and say, you're supposed to be the parent. You're not supposed to be their friend. And I argue back, we're supposed to be both. Mm-hmm. And there is no doubt that I am the mama bear in this house. I run this place and my word is the last word of everything. And I am very disciplined and very serious. I'm a very serious human. But I love my daughter we are best friends and um she's 17 now she's a senior in high school and while she's going through the ups and downs of the emotional wear and tear of what that entails um, i'm here holding vigilance for her i'm telling you we are we are closer than ever she's trying to break away because she wants to go away to college which i love but you know i'm always there for her to listen to her in a non-judgmental way, and so we have a we have a mutual respect for each other, and because I don't freak out over things that as she tells me, she's comfortable being honest about what's going on in her life. So we have an amazing relationship, and she still dances with me, uh, even in public. Like I, I think the picture that I sent you was uh, I sing with big bands in the park. I do. I'm, I'm a jazz singer, singing with big bands, and in the summertime. Um, when she was little, I always say the last song that they play, I'm like, Hey, would you come dance with me? And just, just screwing around. Nothing, nothing big, not, not like a serious, like, Oh, we're dancer people, but just have fun. <laughs> like, no, Who cares? Who's watching. And she always did. And then I always thought, well, she's going to, there's going to be a day where she's not going to do that anymore right. because it's not cool. And I remember asking her that one year, that picture that was taken. Um, Cause she was like doing her own thing. And I go, I just looked at her and I go, Hey, are we going to go do our dance thing? And she looked at me and she goes, absolutely. And I was like, so not expecting it because I, I was going to say, if you don't want to, and I actually told her, if you don't want to, I understand.
0: <laughs> like you thought maybe that was the year that she would no longer want to do the dance thing with you, huh?
1: Yes, I did. And I, and I said to myself, I said, okay, she's going to say no, and that's going to be okay too.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think about that with my daughter. She's five now and we hold hands everywhere we go. Sometimes even, you know, when I don't want to, she wants to hold my hand, but I know (laughs) that there is going to come a time where she's not going to want to hold my hand anymore. She's going to run off and be with her friends and, you know, and and I'm going to have to be like, please hold my hand. Um, so I have to, I have to remind myself to kind of, um, even though sometimes I know, cause I'm not a, a super physical person like you. I didn't really want to have kids either. I didn't think that was something I wanted to do for a very long time. My husband and I were married, um, 10 years before we decided to start having kids. And it was another couple years after that, when we actually finally were like, Oh, okay, let's do it. <laughs> um, right. Right. So we were married for quite a long time. And, um, I'm also just not a real physical touchy feely person. So to have this little, person Aww. who's always wants to hold my hand, I have to be like, <laughs> suck it up, Heather. Yeah. Cause there's going to come a time when she's not going to want to, at least I hope that never happens. So I love to hear that your daughter and uh, are so close and you guys are still doing, um, having those shared, uh, mother daughter moments. That's really sweet.
1: By the way, the holding hands thing is very European. European women do it all the time. I've seen that. Yeah. It I, has I, nothing, it has nothing to do with your sexuality or anything no, weird. No. It just, it's just a European thing to do. And it's what's a, funny a is a sign
0: of affection
1: it's a sign of affection. And my daughter, uh, even on, she goes to an all girls, uh, prep school, private school. And it is one of the top schools in the country. It's very, very competitive. And it's, it's, oh my gosh, if you can imagine, it's very challenging. And it's like, if you can imagine all girls in one school, it's a little cray cray, but I'll walk across campus with her and she will still reach out and grab my hand. And I'm like, really, you're holding my hand on campus. What are you doing? (laughs) So I don't know how long that's going to last, but anyway, you know what? You just enjoy what you what it reminds you to do is enjoy the moment when it happens. And, um, and yes, we, I, I am definitely a touchy feely person. I've, I, i i I'm the hugger. I'm the person who's always, you know, yeah. My, my, my
0: daughter has to keep me in check on that mom. Stop touching people. <laughs> well, you talked a little bit about singing, um, in a and ja- jazz bands and big bands. Do you know Lolly Allen by any chance? I do not. She's one of the top vibraphone players, vibes players, um, in LA, I think, and Ooh. maybe, you know, maybe even the world, but she's amazing. Um, and she does jazz band and, and things like that. Um, so that's why I was wondering, I was like, Oh, maybe you guys might know each other, but, um, I would love to know a little bit more about what you, what's happening with your music right now. Are you working on any albums? Are you performing regularly?
1: You know what? Okay. So here's something that happened that, um, I'm 54 years old and I know I don't look 54 and I'm really grateful for that. So people never understand my story, but, um, I went through a couple year period. It was going, um, through menopause and life stress and all kinds of different changes. And I actually lost my voice completely for about, it was about for two years. And I realized when I was singing out that I just couldn't do stuff. And then suddenly it just went away. And um, I went to get my voice checked for nodes and all that kind of stuff. And what happened was the reason why I lost my voice is because the universe has a way of kicking our butt in the direction that we refuse to go. I was refusing to finish writing my first book. And I have a series of books. And I was so not confident going, well, I, I majored in music. I'm a voice performance major with a piano minor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a, I'm not a child specialist. And yet my book was about, is about raising a daughter. And It's not just about raising a daughter. It's more about re-raising ourselves and we as women saying we are going to model the behavior for our daughters. We are going to make these choices for ourselves. And so losing my voice made me finish my book because I was sitting in my house going, OK, I'm grieving over the loss of this great gift that I love so much that I've been very grateful for. I was grieving so hard, and grieving and crying also are not good for your voice, by the way. I don't recommend it. Ugly crying does not work to bring your voice back. It just makes it worse. So um, basically, I had this thought in my head. I said, wow, you know, how fortunate that this singing thing and this songwriting thing and that particular part of my life isn't the only gift that I have. I'm actually a writer, and I need to start owning that. And I started owning it. And I decided, okay, it's time to finish the book. It's fine to finally get it out there. It's time to be brave enough to go do this because it's not going away. It's And now my voice has been taken away. They're like, okay. It's almost like there was a council of people saying, we're not going to let you sing anymore because I was actually working on a jazz album. And it wasn't... Everything was falling apart. And then my voice fell apart. So, <laughs> so I I still... I still sing here and there. I'm now back on the piano playing stuff and uh, re, re, you know, just just for my own enjoyment, the songs that I've written and trying to figure out what I want to do with that. But the speaking career and my, my private coaching practice, because I do life coaching, has pretty much kind of taken front and center, which, which I do love. And then I realized I needed to put the piano piece back in there because it's part of the joy in my life. And one of the things that I've discovered in my 54 years is that we, it, it's having the balance of life. And what I talk about in my book is all of the areas of competition in the Miss America pageant and how they apply to real life. Mm-hmm. And the, the talent area of the, uh, of the competition um, is very important because it's not just whether you're a performance level person who's gonna go compete somewhere. It has to do with sharing your gifts with the world. And that could be anything from um, gardening, to somebody who does crafting, to somebody who does knitting—I mean, or there are so many things that we can do. Or baking. My daughter's like, "Mom, I want to bake." I'm like, "What?" She goes, can, "Can we start baking?" And I'm like, "Why?" And she says, "Because, because I think it'll be fun, and I think she 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 says I think it'll make me happy." And I'm like, "Yeah, baking is fun. You'd like to do that with Grandma?" So it's like, so that's a part of our lives that we need to make sure that we express whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be performance level quality, you know, on a stage somewhere. I mean, all of the areas of competition that I dissect of the Miss America, I deconstruct the Miss America pageant in my book. And I talk about why all of these areas are important and where they get it completely wrong. And swimsuit is obviously health and fitness. Mm -hmm. And walking around in heels in a bikini on a stage is not what swimsuit in life is really all about. Right and also the, the biggest issue that has come up for me in my in my work since i put this book out is talking to women about this impossible standard of beauty that the that the pageant world perpetuates that is not women cannot relate to it and it's making us angry plus it continues The objectification of women, it's putting it front and center and making that an important thing and and pitting women against each other in this impossible standard of beauty, Mm -hmm. which keeps us in a place in this world. And we at, at this time in this Me Too movement with all women trying to step forward and trying to take on our power, not against men, but standing with men as equals the pageant is not doing us a service and i'm i'm not anti pageant it's just because i enjoyed my couple of years when i was there but honestly when i really think about it and after i've revisited it and looked at it i'm like i don't know how this is helping us
0: so do so, you think that the that the pageant should like do you think that's in from an era gone by like maybe we should just close that chapter of our of our history
1: stop think, doing them you know what i There is a pageant culture of people who love it and it's a very small group and when I went back to judge, I went back to judge the Miss Ohio pageant in June um, because it was my 30th anniversary of giving up my crown and I went back to judge and I was surprised at how I felt about it because I felt like at that moment wow, this really does feel obsolete to me. Mm -hmm. And when I interviewed these women in the interviews, they're so smart. They're gorgeous. They're intelligent. They've got big causes in the world. They're doing great things. Just the most amazing women you would ever come across. And then to have to see them in a bikini on stage kind of freaked me out because I was like, it's like going to an interview and – Then them saying, "Well, you're very qualified for the job," which is a spokesperson job, by the way, Mm -hmm. and then saying, "But we need to now see you in your underwear." Right. Exactly. That's how it felt to me, and I think that um, this year at the Miss America pageant, we didn't get to see them in their swimsuits, and people were up against nobody. I'm actually, by the way, it's so obsolete that nobody really cares. It's very interesting how it just went through the news cycle because we've got a lot more things going on in this world besides that darn pageant, right? So, yeah, in answer to your question. You know, people love what they love and people should be able to do what they do. My, my perspective, having a daughter, having a 17 year old daughter who is old enough to compete, who would never do a thing like that. And she even asked me, that was the first pageant she ever saw. She was totally freaked out by it. And she said to me, she goes, mom, did you do that? You really did that? And I was like, yeah, it was kind of different then, but I get, <laughs> I, I totally get
0: I right."
1: Yeah. And my daughter's not an entertainer. Like if you're a stage performer, you know, you do a lot of things on stage. Like you do a lot of things in skimpy outfits and you, you know, you're singing, you're dancing, you're in the chorus, you're in the this, you're in the that or whatever. If you're a theater person, Mm -hmm. you know, none, none of that, none of that phases me. Like walking around in a swimsuit doesn't phase me at all, but I can see where it matters to women now. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm reacting to because you know, we, we need to stand together as a sisterhood and support each other. And I don't think that that lends itself is that
0: I I totally agree. And I think that you, you raise some really valid points. And from a perspective of someone who's been there, I've never been in a pageant myself, but uh, you know, watching them feels like a very dated thing to do. It seems like something, you know, for my mom's generation or whatever. And, um, I think there's, there, you're right. There's so many other things happening in our world today. And there's so many other ways that I think young women can show their talents and show their um, you know, personality and what their thoughts are. Um, um, there's so many other ways they can do that. And so now you,
1: I mean, you're a mom of a five-year-old now, but you're, you're a performer, right? You're an entertainer.
0: Oh, sometimes when I get to, when they pay me to be, when someone pays me to be. <laughs> well, sure, um, sure. But I love, I... I love your book. I love the idea of it. It's No Crown Required, Raising oh. a Confident, Courageous, and Compassionate Daughter. And it is available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon as well, yes. right? Yep, absolutely. And you have another book in the works? Did I read that? I, I
1: do. I have a couple of books in the works. And the, the second one is uh, actually called skip the princess, raise the
0: queen. And, so you've been uh, bitten by the author bug, huh? And you, <laughs> you well, you're like, I'm going to write some books.
1: Well, that was about, that was like my, the reason why it took me so long to put one book out is because I went to a publisher and he says, you're making my head spin. You, you have more than one book here. You're trying to put it in one book. And so that's why each book is going to be a smaller digestible piece and it just continues that. So the skip the princess raised the queen has to do with when, when I was the mother of a girl who was in her, like your daughter's age. And I noticed that all these girls were these, they they were in this princess mode and these, these parents were raising these girls who felt like, you know, the, the world owed them something and they were, and, and it was just like that weird princess mentality and, Um, and so I was like, no, you know, that's not, that's, that is not how it works. And so anyway, that's daily wisdom practices. And I talk a lot about all the different things that I did with my daughter every day to raise her. And that's, that's, that's that book that's in development right now. And then the third book that I think you might enjoy is why I was a bitch and why I was a bitch is the healing of a damaged sisterhood. And I talk about that in my first book, the healing of a damaged sisterhood. Um, women are pitted against each other. And we, some of us have had bad behavior and to be able to talk about, okay, I was mean to you because someone was mean to me because this is what happened. And I think there's so many stories out there that are fascinating and that you get to heal and you get to high five each other and then go have a beer just like the guys do, except that women just continue to hate on each other. So I think, uh, I think it's an important conversation to have.
0: I love that you think I would enjoy the bitch book. It's like, you get me, (laughs) you get me, Susan. No, (laughs) no. Oh, that's amazing. Well, tell everybody where they can find you online and on social media.
1: Okay. Susan K. Wyatt, S-U-S-A-N-K-A-Y-W-Y-A-T-T, author.com. Or just look, if you Google Susan K. Wyatt, I will pop up. I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I, I, Twitter happens. I don't have any, I, I'm so scared of Twitter. I don't know why. <laughs> Twitter just <laughs> happens. It just happens too fast for me. I'm like, wait a minute, What happened? Um, But yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely online and, um, and and so happy to be on your show and so happy that you are doing what you're doing I, I, oh, when you're I was so reading sweet. about you. So thank you
0: for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thank you so much, you guys. Again, no crown required. Raising a confident, courageous, and compassionate daughter is available now. I will put up all the information Susan just mentioned up on motherhoodandhollywood.com as well. And that's going to do it for us, you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye.
1: Balls.